if you can, would you join me on your knees as a sign of humility to your king? Do you know what we're doing right now? Right now would cost you your life in certain countries because what you are saying is you don't bow down to anyone else other than Jesus. This is the only one you strike this pose for. Do you understand that? Do you understand that if you did this in Syria right now with ISIS, right now you do this, you're going to stay here till you're beheaded. Do you understand that? You will stay here till your head's on the floor. You do this in countries right now like North Korea, you're going to a concentration camp because this is the only one we bow to. This is the only one. He has no rival. He has no equal. And the Bible says those who are bowed, bowed down before Jesus will be lifted up. So in a few moments, we're going to stand up. We're going to give God praise. And as we do, it's going to signify that everything we let down on these knees stay at the feet of Jesus. Not only do we bow down, we bow everything down at his feet. Our jobs our careers, our finances, our family, our love for nation, our culture, every prized possession we have, every dream, every destiny, right here on your knees, laid at Jesus' feet. Come on, in your own words, say it's yours, Jesus. Today we're gonna learn about our humble king. This is the only one we do it for, this is it. This is it right here. We love you, Jesus. Give us courage. Give us strength to let go of the things in our life that we hold so dear. All these things that other people are worshiping, God, they won't be the idols of our heart. We're not settling for things that are less than our creator. We give you our life. We lay it all down here. And Lord, in a few moments when we stand up, and we give you a shout of victory. And we shout for you, our King. We do so knowing that whatever we've laid down here on our knees, it is yours and you will take care of it. And you'll deal with it. And you'll make us strong to trust you. If you lack faith, ask God to give you faith. Ask God to give you his, his trust to show you he's trustworthy. You're not the first one to hit your knees like this to go through things. Many of you will hit your knees like this at different times this week or this month throughout your life with tears streaming down your eyes and you will literally say, I have nothing else to do. I have no, no other answers. I only have God. God, make a way. And he will show you he can. He's able. In the name of Jesus, Father, he's our king and we will follow him. Jesus, you're our king. Let's stand up and give it up for our king today. Come on. Everything is at his feet now. Come on. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords. Only for you, Jesus. Only for you, Jesus. You have it all, God. Use us now for your glory. Walk with us, God. Make us your sons and daughters in this world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Slap your high, your neighbor high five and say there's only one king. Only one king, and his name is Jesus. Don't you love that scene from uh, the Avengers when Captain America sees Thor jump out the plane 
and somebody says, he's like a God, and he says, you're not a God. What's the famous line? He says, there's only one God, and you're not him. Yes, that's how it went. Yeah, and he doesn't dress like that. Come on. Our God is not an idol. Our God is real. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to learn about our humble king. It's awesome to see visitors here today. I won't name you guys and have you raise your hands, but we will applaud for you anonymously. But we have two people here from our truck outreaches. Can we give it up for those who came? God bless you. God bless you. We love you. The truck outreach is working, and God is doing great things, and we're humbled to be a part of it. Can we have those lights on there as well, please? Matthew chapter 21 is a famous passage that most people hear during the time of Easter. It's known as Palm Sunday. We took on the book of Matthew chapter by chapter in January for the whole year, and this is where we are today. So let's, you know, kind of take off the religious cap. It's okay to read these scriptures outside of those times. And I pray that we'll get a real understanding of why Jesus is worthy for us to hit our knees for. No one else is worth it. No one else. And I know, you know, you, you can go to concerts and they can ask you to raise your hands and wave them in the air just like you don't care and things like that. And, and that, can be, that can be a fun thing to do. But you just make sure that you never do this as a form of worship, okay? You never do this as a form of worship to anyone except to God. That's it. Okay, so hands in the air, that can be fun, you know, do fist pumps and all of that. But, that. but that right there can be worship if you're not careful. But we know for a fact that the only one we bow down to is King Jesus. Are you about ready to learn about your king? You ready? Are we ready to get into it? Okay, Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. How many wish you could go to the car dealership and say, hey, uh, the Lord needs this Porsche here, and uh, we're going to bring it right back, but I'm going to drive it off the lot on his behalf. Uh, that's literally what's going on right here. The disciples are showing up to a place and they're asking for something that doesn't belong to them on behalf of Jesus. What's interesting about this is that they have the courage to obey Jesus. And anytime Jesus asks you to do something, be courageous, be willing to do it. And it's a big ask. It was asking something from someone that they probably valued. They valued these animals and they were precious to them. But this animal was going to have probably the greatest experience of its life. I don't know if you've ever seen Charlotte's Web, but I can just imagine if that donkey came back that day because we know it's going to happen. Jesus is going to ride on him. And if you kind of think about the donkey from Shrek, you know, the talking donkey, he's going to come back and say, you guys would not believe what just happened to me. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords rode on me today. And so this teaches us that we have to be like the person who gives. See, it doesn't mention their name, but we know they give the donkey and the colt. That's just the baby donkey. So there's going to be two mother and child donkey there. And so we have to be the kind of person that can give to the Lord. So I'm just wondering if there's anybody here that has something valuable you're willing to give to Jesus. 
You have to be willing to give things that are valuable, not just those leftover uh, shoes that you can't fit into anymore or those clothes that don't fit because you've expanded your kingdom and they don't fit anymore. You, it's, it's not just good enough in Christianity to be godly in your giving, to give what you don't want anymore. This person gave what he wanted, what he liked. That's the equivalent of you giving your Jordans, giving a car that you like, giving the clothes that you're wearing now. That kind of generosity is the generosity of the person that's unnamed here, but we know that they have a reward in heaven. You can think about it like this. If he would have held back that donkey, he never would have had the blessing of giving a donkey to the king. What we do now on this earth will be blessed in eternity. God said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where all of these things can happen like rust and, and animals can eat at it and wear it away. The Bible says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So you can look at your resources now as only what's good for you to build your life, your family, your dreams here. Or you can look at what's in your bank account as the old uh, uh, TV commercial goes, what's in your wallet? You can look at what's in your wallet as a way to forward the kingdom of God because Jesus will ride on that thing and use it to bring his message. And we're not taking another offering, though. You can give at the, on the app anytime online, but I'm here to challenge you. And if you could turn down just a little bit in the sound system, please. Here, here's a, just a little advice when you pray about uh, God, you know, you pray to God to ask you to give generously. You might hear numbers and things to give that scare you. And at that point, you may be tempted to say, that's the devil. But listen to me, the devil will never tempt you to give something great to God, okay? So if while I'm talking right here, right now, you get an idea like, man, I'd like to give $1,000. That would just be awesome to give it right to missions. They're going to the Philippines, and it's already paid for. There's no spaghetti dinner here. There are no fundraisers, no GoFundMe here. We will never do those kinds of things. We do it by the way of the Bible. Give, and it shall be given to you. That's it. Are you listening? We may change with techniques and online and so forth and so on, but that need has already come forth and the need has been met. They're going right now, uh, well, not now, but it's already been, uh, the plane tickets are being now and it's prepared. The dates are set. When are they going? October? November 16th, it's already happened. But listen, if you want to give to missions, you're just going to give more for them to do over there, okay? But listen, if you get an idea to give $1,000 to mission and then you go, shut up, Satan, I'm not doing that. Guess who you're probably calling Satan? Jesus. Because last time I checked, Satan doesn't want you to give $1,000 to missions. You see, Jesus asks you to give things, and those things can sometimes feel uncomfortable. Now, don't get mad at me because I'm asking you to give because some televangelist pimped you or some church misused your finances. That's not happening here. I'm just talking biblical principles. Do you have something the master needs? Not that he needs it in the sense of he can't do it without you, but he's letting you meet a need that he has in his kingdom. He doesn't have angels work jobs and give to the church. He has us do that. And one of the things that I just started in my life was a little side hustle with uh, Uber and Lyft. So if you ever uh, put in an Uber or Lyft uh, you know, pickup, you might see me pick you up. And what's cool about this is because I wanted some extra doodads and having a big family and all of that. The church has provided for all of our needs. There is, there is absolutely nothing wrong. We are blessed beyond any measure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But there are some high ticket items that I would like to have in life. Some people are calling it a midlife crisis. I'm just calling it a midlife cherry on top. Let's just put it that way. 
So if you see the 2020 Jeep Gladiator out there, that's, that's why I'm driving Uber. And then I want a red shiny boat because the, the Jeep is red. I, got a, I want a red shiny boat to go right behind it. And those things cost about a, like a house. Now, you can get mad at me and you can say, well, pastor, you shouldn't have those things. You should dress like a monk. Okay, you first. Show me how you do it. Okay, show me how you live broken poor and then I'll decide. Okay, do it for 20 years and then I'll just let you show me and then I'll decide if I do it. But listen, I did a side hustle because I'm not going to do another offering. I'm not going to come up here. Pastor needs a boat. Can we take up another offering? How many know pastor wouldn't have a job anymore? So I got a side hustle. Listen, it's going to go somewhere. Track with me. Oh man, I'm about ready to cry just thinking about this. And one of the first things that I said, the moment that I knew I was going to get a side hustle is I said, God, how much goes to missions? The first question. I tithe is already done. That's already done. First thing I said in my heart is, God, how much of this goes to missions. And he said, start with 5%, 5%. So everything I make, 5% will go right to missions. I can't even tell you what that feels like to do that outside of making the shekels as a pastor, just to know I'm doing something else and now more money's going towards missions. So anyways, I set a goal, car payments about 450, you know, uh, insurance to drive the Uber is another 50, it's 500. And then whatever you make an Uber, you're driving, you've you got to pay for the gas. So I factor about $200 for gas. So, uh, you know, ties, offerings, all of that. I need to hit about 1,200. That was my goal for the month. I hit that in six days. Six days. It's already done. It's already done. Uh, it's already done. It's already done. And now I just get to drive for that whatever next thing I want to start buying and doing, okay? And this is what I realized. And I have, uh, I've driven over 100 times, and I have 55 stars on Lyft, and I have 55 stars on Uber. I have the most high stars that most people have ever seen at this point in the game. They're getting in my car. They're saying, I've never seen somebody with, with this many five stars at this early. And it's a, it's a God thing. People are saying it's their best ride ever, all of these things. I give bottled water and mints, and I'd let them choose their music as long as it's not vulgar and all of that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You see, we can have great plans in life. It's okay to have a nice car. It's okay to desire to have a boat if you can afford it, if it's in your budget. You know, uh, I could have also, a plan could have been, hey, kids, we're no longer having family fun nights. We're eating ramen every night. No more Chuck E. Cheese trips. Daddy's getting the boat, you know, whatever. I could have done that, right? But here, here's the point. What you have, you can give to God, and God will bless it. He said, I'm going to give back the donkey after I've rode on it. How many know when that donkey came back, that donkey was blessed? You see, God blesses what we give to him. The moment I prayed about it, and I've been thinking about a side hustle for a while. Some of you heard me talk about stocks. I lost so much money in stocks. I would definitely say be careful with that. And those Facebook videos that make it look easy, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy at all. As a matter of fact, Fact, I might as well have just set a pile of money on fire in my backyard and warmed myself by it, and I would have gotten more from that money warming me than I did in the stocks. And if I told you how much I lost, you would probably just want to slap me, okay? Because I was one of those people that the more I lost, I kept doubling down, putting more in and more in and more in, and it got bad, okay? My wife has forgiven me, trust me. But I just thought about it and different things, and when God released me to do it, it's been such a blessing, and I want to encourage you, whatever you have, give it to God and let him give it back to you blessed.
That donkey came back blessed. And now we're going to see what he did with that donkey. Let's see. In verse 4 it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king. Somebody say your king. Thank you. Your king comes to you gentle, humble, and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Let's see why that was important. Go to Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Now, Matthew quotes the Old Testament. How many know the New Testament church used the Old Testament Bible? That was their Bible. So when Matthew says, hey, Jesus rode a donkey because of this, we need to go back and learn because of this. And it starts in verse 9, and that doesn't mean we just stop in verse 9. We need to read the whole context because that's why he's wanting you to see it. He's saying, hey, go check this out and learn about why Jesus came on a donkey because why didn't he come on a, on a horse? Why didn't he come on one of those big Clydesdales? Why didn't he come on an elephant? How many think that would be cool to ride an elephant? How about a camel? Why didn't he come on a camel? Have you ever rode a camel before? How many have gone to those forums and rode a camel? They're pretty cool, right? And, and so the question is, why didn't he ride any other kind of animal? Why is it a donkey? Matthew says it's found way back here in the Old Testament. Verse 9 of chapter 9 of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Sounds familiar. That's the quote. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. But keep going now. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim. Are chariots led by donkeys? No, they're led by horses, right? So he said, I'm going to take the horses and the chariots away and the war horses from Jerusalem. How many ever watched a, a movie like Lord of the Rings and seen those horses prepared for battle? He, he says, I'm going to take those away and the battle bow will be broken. Wow. What's going on here? The donkey is actually representing the king and his victory. He says, I'm not coming in a chariot knocking down the, the walls of the city. I'm not coming with a war horse. I'm not coming shooting bows and arrows. I'm going to come with a donkey. I'm already victorious. He says, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Everybody say, thank you, Zechariah. Amen. Go back to the notes. Now we know why he is coming on a donkey. So look at verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread out their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is who? This is who? Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What a mighty sight to see. Jesus coming on a donkey into Jerusalem as a king. Let's learn about when this first happened. Go to 1 Kings. Did you know you have a book in your Bible about kings? Did you know that? Let's go to 1 Kings. I know some of you watched Game of Thrones and you've had to repent. Hopefully you've found an edited version of, of something like that. But there's something very similar going on in the Bible. There were kings in the Bible and there was a lot of activity going on in their kingdom. David was the 
second king and his, uh, his uh, son was the third king, Solomon, and his son Solomon was the richest, wisest, most powerful king of all Israel. And look at what happened here in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33. Uh, God said to David, he said, take your Lord's servants with you and have Solomon, my son, mount my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, long live King Solomon. Jesus is coming exactly like King Solomon. But guess what? He's greater than King Solomon. Hosanna literally means the Lord saves. They are proclaiming that God has come to save them. Go to Matthew chapter 20, uh, chapter 1, verse 23. How many believe Matthew knows how to tell a good story? See, right from the beginning, we learn why Jesus' name is Jesus. Why does he have that name? What's so special about that name? Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive. Oh, oh excuse me, go to uh, verse 20. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name what? What's his name? Jesus, because he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Yahshua in the Hebrew literally means Yahweh saves. Go back to the notes, put it all together. How did our king come into his kingdom? Did he come on a war horse? Did he come shooting arrows? Did he come to destroy us? No, he came humbly. He came in peace. He came with the heart of love. John 3.16 literally shares the heart. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There that day when he came on that donkey humble without any weapons, he was showing us that he has always loved us. He has always desired you. He has always wanted to be your king. He just wanted you to choose him. But is that the only time he comes now? No, because we crucified him when he came like that. When I say we, I mean the human race and the sins that we have all committed brought him to that place. And so now what happens, the Bible says, is that he will come a second time, this time riding a horse, this time with a sword, striking down the nations. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 2, he will shatter them like you would shatter a pot on the ground into a million pieces. The Bible says the blood will be as high as a horse's head for over 100 miles. 300 million people will die in one battle that, that he destroys them in. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to receive Jesus now as the humble king? Do you want to see him as the one reaching out the right arm of God's grace and mercy? Do you want to receive Jesus now riding on a donkey? Or do you want him to strike you down in his wrath? On the war horse. You see, he's going to come no matter what to judge. It's his world, and he doesn't like what we've done with it. And the only reason we're still here is because he's still that humble. He's still that kind. The Bible literally says he wishes that none would perish. So the days are being long, and the time is being long, so that we might repent. 
But we know what happens. Why do the Jewish people change? Why is it here they're shouting, Hosanna, you're our king. We're ready for you. And by the way, them setting down their cloaks was a sign of them surrendering. This would be as if a king had conquered them and was coming in and you were defeated. You would set down your cloak and say, it's over. We're going to surrender. Or like in Solomon's time, it's just saying, you're such a great king. We trust you with our lives. Here's our our agricultural leaves. You own our land. You you, you control us as a people. Why did they do that for Jesus? Because they wanted him to be their king. But what happened just a few days, maybe a week or so later, what are they shouting out? Crucify him. What changed? Come in the next few weeks and you'll see what changed. But I'll give you a little taste. You see, they thought that Jesus was going to be on their agenda. They thought that Jesus was going to be a Burger King. What kind of king is Burger King? Your way, right away. You see, they thought Jesus was going to be this kind of Burger King. Burger King, I want this, this and that. No pickles, hold the onions. I want a non-sesame seed bun on the top, but a sesame seed bun on the bottom. Partial mayo, partial uh, you know, uh, ketchup. Sometimes I listen to y'all order, and I'm like, dear God, what is wrong with you? Just get the hamburger, dude. Man, you are picky. I want french fries, no salt. And they're like, we don't even have that here, sir. We mean no salt. Listen, we want a Burger King our way right away. That's what they thought. They wanted Jesus to do it their way. Now, how many of you are happy Jesus doesn't do things your way? There was a girl that I thought I was supposed to marry, and when she cheated on me, I was crying, and I wish God would have done something different. Now I thank God that I didn't marry her. You see, you have to realize that there are things you've got to give Jesus and let him do it his way. All of us like to be in control in some way or another, don't we? I mean, just think of the places we don't like to go. Most of us don't like to go to the DMV. Most of us like, don't like to go to the airport and places like that. Why? Because what happens when you walk into that place? They're in control. The moment you grab that ticket number out the DMV, you have just signed your life away for that day. The moment you go into the airport, just throw away your calendar. It's done. There can be two delayed flights. You could be going to Cancun, and next thing you know, you're in Minneapolis spending the night. You're figuring out, how did I end up here? Why am I here today? I had no plan of being here. I was taking one guy home. He said, I could have gotten a car, a rent a car, because uh, I was taking him to the hotel because of all the cancellations. He said, I could have drove home and been there by now. Why do we like control? Because it's a part of our security. It's our security blanket. I'm in control. I'm in control. I'm in control. But how many know we're really not in control? Let, let's, let's, let's prove how much we're not in control. Stop the earth from moving. Ready, set, go. Stop the sun from setting. Ready, set. All these things. Okay, uh, change, change the atmosphere right now. Ready, set, go. You know, all of these things, we can't do any of that. We are so little in control. It's actually the, the deception to think we are in control because we control like five things on the planet. Like, I control what I eat today. I control where I go today. But, I, you know, one of the reasons why I don't want to get a motorcycle is because I can't control what you do when I'm next to you. I'm not scared of myself. I'm scared of you. Right? Because people don't pay attention. Motorcycle just, whoop, just turn right over and knock me down. But, boom, I don't, what was that? I don't know. Motorcyclist on the road, you just kept going. We don't like being out of control, and that's what messed with them. See, they thought Jesus was going to be a Burger King, he was going to do their thing right away, and, and this is the good news. I'm glad he didn't, 
Because number one, Jesus had to die for our sins. There would be no redemption if he didn't go to the cross. If, if he would have just started conquering and taking over the Roman Empire and, sh and showing all those guys who was boss, you know, like he's going to do now in judgment, if he would have brought judgment there, there would have been no redemption. No one would have went to heaven. And then if he would have done it just for the Jewish people, what about all of us? What about all the non-Jewish people? We would be outside of the kingdom. So though we may not find it easy at times to trust God, it is surely worth trusting God. And so they had to learn to trust God the hard way. And God knew it. He had it planned. I like what one meme says. Uh, God had my stupidity a part of the plan. He knew this would happen, and the plan still comes about. How many can say amen to that? That doesn't mean that we get permission to keep being dumb on purpose, but how many know God already factored your dumbness into the plan? My, my stupidity has already been in the plan. He's already told the angels, listen, right about this time, Joe's going to do this. It's going to really blow your mind how he does it and how stupid it is. Just bear with him. He'll come through it and then you know, everything will be okay. How many know Jesus has to have some talk to the angels for us? Just lay back, just watch him. It's going to be okay. Maybe give him a little bit of space here. Let him stumble and fall. And then when he gets up, well, he's, it's going to work out. And so here's the deal. It doesn't give us permission to do the wrong things over and over again, but we need to have grace. We need to forgive ourselves, forgive others, and get on with the plan. And, and, and how many know this? Let's just be honest. If you go to that DMV, if you go to that airport, and you just surrender and go, I know I'm going to be here for a while, so let's get it on. How many know when you show up at the third desk and they, they say she's out to lunch? You're like, that's okay. I, I, I knew that. I would expect nothing less. I brought my, my Netflix account here. I'm going to binge 10 seasons of something. I would expect nothing less. Oh, your flight's being diverted uh, to Kansas City. Of course it is. I have no problem with that. I actually want to go get some barbecue in Kansas City. I've prepared 10 different city plans. Whatever. You get my point. How many know if you just let go? If you just let go and go with the flow, it starts to go a lot easier. And what God was wanting us to learn from the Jewish people's mistake of control here is that we've got to learn to let go and trust him, that he's in control. He's already told us for the third time. Remember last week, he's going to die. It's going to be a part of the plan. Don't freak out. We know they still do, but we need to learn from their mistakes and do better. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Now, let's keep going. The story continues on. Verse 12, now remember WWJD, what would Jesus do as we read 12 and onward, okay? Because this is always a possibility of WWJD. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind, the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. You see how he cleared the space and started doing God's work? Verse 15, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were mad. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of the children and the infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. Can I hear an amen? How many children of God do we have here today? And even the little ones back there praising God. We love having them in the church. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Where did he go out to? What city? What was the name of the city? Bethany. Does anybody know somebody named Bethany? Amen. That's my firstborn. It's a precious place for Jesus to go and hang out. We see here that what would Jesus do? We see a potential is whip people over turntables. How many are happy Jesus was a manly man? 
I'm glad he was a manly man. So whenever we think about what would Jesus do in a scenario, just understand flipping some tables and whipping some folks is a full potential. That's an option on the table. You know, it's A, B, C. There's a D there that says whip some folks, turn over tables. Once again, how many are happy that's an option? Amen. Oh, it's like half of you saying, not even half, like this row. How many are happy that's an option? Amen, because our Jesus is not Buddha. Buddha was always just, um, one emotion, I don't get mad, I don't get happy, I'm just like this. That's not our Jesus. Jesus is the life of the party, and Jesus is also the one closing down the party. He's the party pooper. He's shutting down whatever they had going on here. Now, there's two ditches that people fall into when they see this. The first ditch is on this side. People go, well, we can never act like that because we're not God. Are you God? You can never get angry with me. You can never overturn stuff in my life. You're not Jesus. Only Jesus can do that. And then we pretty much lose the entire meaning of what would Jesus do. If I'm not supposed to act like Jesus in some places, where am I supposed to act like Jesus? Am I only supposed to act like gentle Jesus? I can't act like G-Jesus Jesus is a G, y'all. He's holding it down. Can I act like that, Jesus? Jesus walked right up in there and handled his business. Okay? So they try to say, well, that's not the Jesus you can follow. I want all of Jesus. I want Jesus on this day to be my example because I get mad at stuff in life. Well, that's a ditch. Don't fall into that, that you can't be mad at things in life because you're not the uh, sweet, gentle Jesus here or whatever. No, yes, you can. But the Bible says it like this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on ungodly anger. Make sure you repent of it. And then guard your lips because out of your lips can come the flames of hell. So make sure that you don't curse what God has blessed. But there may be times to curse what God has cursed. Hello, God curses some things and you should, I curse abortion in Jesus' name. Are you listening? And so forth. So that's a ditch we have to avoid. And then there's another ditch over here where Jesus is mad all the time. And that's why I'm mad because Jesus is mad. You see, I used to do that too. I would hide behind that because when I would get mad, I would say, man, Jesus must be mad because I'm mad and I'm going to let you have it and you deserve it. And that's Jesus. You know, Jesus told me I could be mad at you. That's why I'm doing this. No, is Jesus mad all the time? Is Jesus, is, is Jesus going into the houses he's staying at going, what did you serve me this for, woman? What's going on in here? Is Jesus always, no, I mean, this whole life, we only see him doing this once, really. I mean, he gets angry at other things. We're going to see him get angry at a fig tree, uh, not today, but next week. But the idea is, is that it's not all the time. And you should be slow to anger, the Bible says, slow to anger, quick to listen, right? And so it's a part of our emotion, but we have to stay right in the middle of the road of holiness, avoiding the two dishes, avoiding the idea that you can't get mad about anything and that somehow you're supposed to be a monk everywhere you go, not expressing emotion, or that on this side, everything you're mad about, Jesus is mad about. Here's the idea. Learn to have Jesus-centered emotions. In your anger, is Jesus angry? Is he angry? If it's, if, if it's okay, if Jesus is angry, it's okay. But check your heart. Is Jesus angry about that? It's okay to get angry. Anger is a part of our emotions. And see, uh, let's go back. We're not going to hit the fig tree, please. I'm glad you showed him that for next week. But as we see here is that he's correcting them. Go up to the money changers. I want you to see that. What was that happening right here? Well, what was going on is when you would go to the temple, that was like their church. And so church required them to do things. Now, a lot of times people think their synagogues were their church. That's not true. And sometimes we as preachers will go, the church is a synagogue in a, in a sense like that. But that's not really true. How we think of church today, like what you're doing this week, they thought of that being one temple, 
One temple in Jerusalem, that's where they worshiped, that's where they sacrificed, that's where the presence of God was at. Their synagogues were more like home Bible studies. It was where they gathered to read and study. It was more like a classroom. Uh, They would pray at times, but the real place they had to be to interact with God was the temple. And especially when you read the book of Acts, you see them going to the temple to pray and so forth and so on. Now, this is what would be interesting about it, is they were required to give sacrifices. So imagine if you were in the area, and you couldn't bring all of your proper sacrifices with you. Maybe you had to travel 10, 15 miles. What you would do is bring one animal, trade it for the other animals. Let's say you had a donkey. You don't sacrifice your donkey, okay? But you could sell your donkey there and get some sheep for your donkeys. Everybody tracking with me? I know it's hard. We're Chicago people, but let's think through it, okay? So imagine trading a donkey for sheep, you know? And, and so they would do that. Or imagine if you live so far away like Ethiopia, because we hear people were Jewish in the Ethiopian religion, uh, region and you're coming there, you don't have any animals really to bring with you except the camels you're riding or something. And so you would have your money, your Ethiopian money, and you would go to the Jewish dude and go, okay, I've got Ethiopian money. Can I get some Jewish money? And then there would be an exchange. And then you would take the Jewish money, the shekel, and then go buy your animals and then go make your sacrifice. Is there anything wrong with that? Was Jesus upset about that? No, he wasn't. What was he upset about is that they took that to another level and they began to become greedy. So imagine now you're bringing your donkey to trade for sheep and normally it would be, you know, say two sheep for one donkey, but now they say, we're just going to give you one sheep for one donkey. It's almost like when you're in the movie theater, normal water bottles cost about a dollar. Now in the movie theater, it's going to be $7.50. So just imagine them doing something like that. Or you're, you're, you're exchanging your Ethiopian coin. It's supposed to be one for one, but except they're saying, now give me five of your coins for one of these coins. Are you listening to me? You see, they began to get greedy. They took a good thing and they began to ruin it. Can I overturn some tables right now? Do I have your permission? Because I'm not going to just like pass this up right now. I've got to take advantage of this. Is there anything wrong with concerts in the church? No. Is there anything wrong with having conferences in the church? No. But when does it become wrong? When they start charging And so just imagine this, just imagine, because we could do this too, right? Like I could get real smart and and pay off a boat and a a vehicle right now without having to do any Uber. You want to know how I can do it? Here we go. We're having a conference. Okay, it's going to be fire conference, fire conference. It's going to be $100 per person, fire conference. It's going to be three days, three days. We're going to have man of God, prophetess, so-and-so. We're going to have this person. We're going to have this person. We're going to have vertical band worship. We're going to have this. We're going to have this $100. Okay, come back through those doors, and when you walk through these doors and you give us hundred dollars magically it changes now it's conference are you listening i wonder if jesus would overturn that why is it the same place the church people go to pay their tithes and offerings that pay for that chair pay for this band to be up here why is it they have to walk through those same doors now on a different day and pay to come in i thought we already paid for that pastor hold on pastor uh how did these lights get turned on for the conference? Didn't that happen from Sunday's offering? Uh, pastor, the chairs, uh, how did those get paid for? Uh, pastor, the band, the instruments, the, the sounds. Pastor, didn't we already pay for all of this? Oh, we're going to have guest speaker so-and-so, and guest speaker so-and-so won't come unless we give them $10,000. Well, let me help you, Pastor. I don't want guest speaker so-and-so. 
You're just fine, Pastor. If you want to talk to me for three extra days, let's go. That's my dream. Say that to me one day. That'll make me feel so special. Pastor, are you going to give us a conference? We can't just take you once on Sunday. We got to have you 10 hours on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Let's do a conference. Go through the whole Bible, Pastor. I'll bring some of my friends. Come on. Oh, but y'all don't, y'all don't get it, right? Because we, we think that that's somehow the way it's supposed to be because that's the way this person I like does it. That's the way, no, listen to me. Listen to me, my friend. That's not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't care what good person you know does that. It's stupid, it's wrong, and we need to repent of it. And listen to me, preacher. Put it on me right now. Listen to me, preacher. Stop doing it, you greedy thing. This pastor rebukes you. I love you, but I rebuke you. I just heard about one of my friend's churches here in the area, uh, did a conference. I can't name all the names because then I'll feel bad as I go home today, uh, but let me just keep it as real as I can. One of my friends did a conference for little girls and wanted to make it fun and all that, but it was $30 a child. $30 a child, come to this conference. I have four girls, $120. Really, pastor? You really love my children that much? I got to pay to have you tell them something special? Oh, but Joe, 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 you don't understand, Joe. You don't. We wanted to give them tiaras, and uh, we wanted to give them little dresses. We wanted to give them that. We wanted to get. Hold on. Didn't you tell me that you guys just started running a thousand? And didn't you tell me that your budget's two million now? But you, you didn't have money to give that away. You mean to tell me you say your church is so blessed that you don't have enough shekels to give two under girls a tiara? What's wrong with you? You see, those books cost us something to publish them, and if you give, that goes to missions. That profit always goes to missions. You, you guys tracking with me? You can't afford it. It's yours. But the black and white material, the words are free in our PDF on our website. You can have it anytime you want. What's going on in the church world today? Why is it these churches boast about how great God is blessing them? We're so blessed. And yet they can't even give you a conference for free. And yet this storefront church has made this back parking lot the six flags of the west side here. We've put up a rock climbing wall, bouncy houses, back to school. We go out to Humboldt Park, pass 10 churches on the way there, and feed the whole Puerto Rican community. What's wrong with you, you stingy churches? You don't have no money in your budget for that. You're a liar. Bring me your purchase orders and your budget right now. I'll put them up here on Sunday. I'll put your budget right up here on Sunday. You're telling me you don't have money to do that. Well, maybe you don't have money to do all that. Could you at least done the same thing, invited the community to come? Maybe you couldn't afford it a tiara. Maybe you could have had a table to the side. Tiaras are $5 if you would like them. A t-shirt is $10 if you would like it. But everybody's welcome to the conference. Everybody gets something to eat. What's going on in the church today? What's happened, man? Oh, and then don't get me started about putting these songs up here. These K-Love songs, these worship songs. We love them, don't, don't we? But you know what? We have to pay to put those words up here. One of these contractors, uh, uh, one of these businesses uh, called me up and they said, because uh, uh, one of my, my friends, a worship leader, he told me, he said, Joe, you got you to gotta, you gotta pay to put those songs up there. You just can't type them into a program and put them up there. You got to buy a license. And so I got in touch with these people and I was talking to them. Yeah, I won't blow the lid off. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Come on. And so I was talking to them, and, and they said, yeah, $300 a year. All the Christian publishers will sign off on it, and then you're allowed, will allow you to put our lyrics in your church. You greedy thing. You I like to turn that table over right now. I said back to him, I said, is anybody saved in your business? 
Oh, yeah, we're all saved, Pastor. We're all saved. You don't sound saved. You're telling me. Let me get this right. You're telling me I got to pay to put that song on my screen? Are you checking with the Church of China? You check on them? Making sure they're paying you? Come on, China. I hear you're singing our songs, China. Where's the check? Oh, you see, it's everybody's got a gimmick now, don't they? You see, they hide it under the guise of, we're helping. You see, see, we're help, We're exchanging. I'm helping the Ethiopian. See, I'm helping. I'm helping. No, you're cheating them. You're cheating them. I know what's going on in the church world. They're cheating us, my friends. I called up one of these pastors. Don't think I don't. I talked to him. This one guy could only get a hold of him through the radio. He lives or he has a church right by me and uh, had a Sunday night service for one of these fancy tight pants singers and had it for the Sunday night service. They were charging $25 a ticket. I called him up on his radio show and I said, pastor, this is pastor so-and-so. I've met you before. I like you. I think you're a great guy. Can I ask you a question? He said, sure, go ahead. I said, why is it Sunday morning is free but Sunday night call? something. I said, why is that? He said, oh, because we got tight pants so-and-so, and and they're a big deal. Uh, They didn't make it on America's Got Talent, though, and they flunked out of Nashville getting signed with the Country Music Awards, but they're a pretty big deal in the church world because, you know, they like to do that. And I said, let me ask you a question. Why don't you just open up the doors and just let people come? Oh, because they got to pay for this, pay for that. I said, what happened to taking up offerings? We don't have faith anymore to say, hey, hey, guys, you know, we just had a guest come up here. They came from wherever, and uh, his tickets was 2000 Hotel was 500 or whatever, and we want to give them 1000 I mean, just be open with people. Why keep it a secret? And so we need to raise 3500 here. There's a lot of you here. Would you please help in and do that? Thank you very much. Here's the website. You saw, you saw how long we talk, talked about giving today, right? And this year, we're already up 30% in finances. We might almost double this year. Come on, let's give it up to Jesus. Just done. Don't even talk about it right? Just get it done. People love to give. And you know what? If, and, and then if they don't cover it, we'll cover it. And then after that, we'll decide how much we can do for next year. And then somebody might say, oh, oh, but we got to know the seats. We got to know how many uh, are going to come to the seats. Dude, there's apps for that. You know, you can get an event app right now. It's so simple. Everybody go to event.com, sign up for this. We only got 500 seats. It's for free, but you got to sign up. It will give you a code. We'll scan it when you come in so we can make sure 500 people fit in here. I solved your problem, Pastor. Why is it so complicated? The reason it is is because they're making the house of prayer a den of thieves. And we as the church have been putting up with it too long. We really have. We need to expect better. Now, do I think anybody that I mentioned is going to hell because of this? No, I just think they're wrong, and Jesus needs to flip their table upside down. And I'll be the one that Jesus uses. Amen? And, uh, and I think some of you all just need to learn to expect better. You need to learn to expect better. There's nothing wrong with you going to a conference. Don't think like I'm going to be upset if I see you going to a concert or conference or whatever. I'm just letting you know that it doesn't have to be that way. And I want you as a church, listen to me, I want you as a church, church to hold us accountable so that we don't ever get too big for our britches as we get to be 500 and 1,000, and then you got to come back in here and pay. All I want you to do is just say, hey, I know Pastor Joe. Would you just get him for me real quick before I give him my $30? You know where I'm going with this. Uh, Just let me talk to him real quick, and then when I come over there, would you just take your backhand and just go like this and slap me and say, I love you, Pastor. Now stop doing that. Let me in. Are you listening to me? I have a heart for you. I have a heart for this community. Jesus was telling them, stop doing that. 
We need to stop looking at the sheep for their wool and what we get out of this. We need to come here to this church about what we give to this. And what I have found out is that people will give more than they will spend. I know there's a lot of stingy people that they'll only give that 30. And if you ask them for an off, uh, you know, to pay the 30 to get in. And if you ask them for an offering, they'll only put in five. But the kind of church that we're raising up, I know the people that are here. If we were to charge you 30, we would have been selling short the offering because you would give 100 in that offering. I know you, and I know the church that we have here. That's why when we built that truck, 15000 you didn't see me go on Facebook and go, hey, Facebook friends, we got a GoFundMe page. You know you know why? Because everybody here had a chance to give, and we did it in cash, paid for it. That's why we've done everything here, and we're going to make sure we keep that reputation. And so when Jesus taught us this principle, look what happens. Things are overturned, and then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple. All the programs that we have here that charge money, charge us money, and we let you know what they charge us to do, JBQ, uh, you know, Royal Rangers, Impact. But listen to me. If you can't afford what they're asking you to pay to do their program, we will pay for you. Momentum Youth Group, you guys are, uh, I mean, uh, 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 Elevate Youth Group is going to the Momentum Conference. How much does that cost? 90 bucks per person. Any of our youth that couldn't afford it, we would pay for are you listening? Now, the ones, that we, the ones that we supply the need for, you've got to be obedient and come to that youth group and be a person that participates. Don't just show up and say, I want a freebie. We're going to make sure that you come. But we will scholarship you when those other people are charging you because we never want you to be held back because of finances. Can I hear an amen? amen. And then now, can we overturn some things in your life? Let's have the band come, please, before we go. What things in your life need to be overturned? I know we got all hyped up, like, tell them, pastor, tell them, you know. Okay, but how about you? What does God need to flip up and turn right side up in your life? I'll tell you the three that I confess in the first service. Number one, God has to flip over my idea of what it takes to be a pastor. Because you can see oftentimes I want to grow this church faster than what God wants to grow it. God wants us to go at a pace where we're healthy, not jacked up on roids. How many know the guy with roids looks weird? Like, dude, you don't look normal, okay? Like, you just don't look normal. It's, it's, I know you got there fast and you think you're cool, but you look weird. I don't want roid growth. I don't want a church that's just busting out like a tumor everywhere. I don't want the tumor growth. I want real growth, but in my, in my weakness, what do I do sometimes? I try to speed it up, do it, do it for God. Hey, Jesus, you don't need a donkey. Let's go on a stallion. Let's go on the black stallion. Let's ride, let's ride 70 miles an hour. Let's get there quicker, Jesus. You know? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm riding the donkey here, man. Metro Praise is on a donkey's journey. Riding slow, baby, like barbecue, you know, low and slow, just keeping it going. That's what God's doing here. And I, I need that flipped over in my life sometimes because I get too anxious for the next building, the next thing, the next whatever big thing we're going to do. The second thing that God needs to flip over in my life is me being offended all the time. When people don't do things my way, when y'all don't listen, when, when uh, people come and go and all of that, I can get offended. That root can come into my heart and cause me to be bitter. And I can, I can hear Jesus telling me in those times, man, I just want to flip that totally upside down. Stop thinking about that. Get your mind off of that. And then the last thing is that sometimes having a beautiful family and all of that responsibility, I can feel that it's taking too much out of me. 
and that I need more me time and I need more, more alone time. And, and God needs to flip that table up and say, no, no, I know you best, Joe. You don't need to be alone. You need people. The Bible says he takes the lonely and he sets them in families. That's a word for me. I had no idea how much I needed family until I was in a family. It's okay to get alone sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have that too, but you know the difference. You hear my heart there. It's that I'm too involved. I'm too this. I'm too that. And God is saying, no, give more, give more. And I find a joy in that now. But he flips that table upside down. And the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, that the ones that the Lord loves, he disciplines. Think about it. He didn't go to Pharaoh. You know, at this time, the pyramids were still there. He didn't go over there into their temples, flipping over Osiris or whatever their gods were. He didn't go over there to, uh, you know, Rome and start flipping over Hercules and all of that. Why was he there? Because that was his house. That was his house. Those were his people. So what a privilege that day it was to be whipped by Jesus. Because other people weren't getting whipped. The ones he was whipping wasn't, listen guys, it wasn't the ones he hated. The ones he was spanking and disciplining were the ones he actually loved. He loved the whole world, but he had a special love and a plan for them. And he says, I'm giving my attention to you. And so we ought not to, as the Bible says, get discouraged in our discipline because God disciplines those he loves. Some of you didn't grow up without fathers or, or a good mother or a good family, and then you join our church in discipleship, and you get weirded out by our discipline because you're like, I, you know, I don't take that as love. I take that as you rejecting me, and I feel weird about that. And it's like, no, no, it's quite the opposite. Real love challenges you. Real love sharpens you. Real love says you can do better. Not that we're going to stop loving you if you don't, but we're helping you. And so in this church, let us be a church of an example to this community. And in my sassy pant moment, I'm so serious. I will debate any pastor that wants to justify those things because he won't find it here in this Bible. And I'll show him, amen, in love. But that's not my business, really. You know, I'm not here to debate a bunch of pastors nine to five all the time. What, what I'm supposed to do is check my heart. And I've got, I got to keep, let God keep this temple clean because we're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're now his house, amen? And that's your job. And so you can, you know, next time your friend hands you a flyer, hey, man, we're having a concert. It's only $50. Come bring your family. You know, don't go off on them. Just say, hey, man, can you show me in the Bible one place where they had to pay to go back to church? Hey, show me that one time and I'll do that with you, you know? Uh, other than that, sorry, I'm not interested or whatever you're going to say. But then most importantly, ask them, how's your heart doing? Are you getting distracted by those things? Do you feel like you're always going to conferences? Do you feel like you always need a concert? Do you feel like you always need another book? Is there something wrong in here? Are you not, are you not connected there? Because honestly, I love concerts. I love conferences. I've been to them all. But when I'm connected to God, that's just extra because my real connection is with him here. Amen? Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Amen. He's our humble king. We love you, Jesus. Altar workers and, and brothers and sisters, would you come? Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you have spoken to us by your word. Just so that the people of God can hear me, Father. I'll pray and bless some of the churches that I know we're doing good so no one thinks we're the only ones. Lord, I thank you for Grace and Peace Church that's in, the, in this community. They're doing wonderful things. I thank you for New Life Covenant, Lord, and all they do for the sex trafficking and the homeless and, uh, and their community, Lord. I thank